Hello, everybody. Welcome to Green Knight Podcast. Wow. I'm feeling it right now, y'all. <clears throat> I wanted to talk about this quote that I've been seeing floating around. And so I'm just going to paraphrase it because I don't have it in front of me. But it's if anyone claims to have the answer, then run very far away. And there's two things here, right? But in the beginning of this podcast, in the first, what, second episode, I was speaking about uh, Zeno's paradox and how absolute knowledge uh, can never be attained, but only approached, right? And also, if you recall, and if you haven't heard those episodes, this is a series, you guys. It's like a book on tape, an exploration. It's like I didn't write it and then publish it. It is kind of writing itself as it goes. Um, the general semantics, right? This is a very, very important concept. And it is the map is not the territory, right? This artificial model that we all live under is not the actual and the word is not the thing. A rose by any other name is still a rose. So again, right, it may sound like um, I use the word is or that I'm absolutely certain about things. And I'm actually certain about very few things. And <clears throat> that goes with what I was just speaking about, general semantics. It's always what things seem to be. You can only really say that they appear to be that way, but not ever really say for sure that they are. And uh, Buckminster Fuller, I did a show with My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And so you should go check that out. That guy uh, who runs that show, he's young and very intelligent and well-read. So check out my mom thinks, oh, actually, no, it's my family thinks I'm crazy. But what I'm getting at here is like run very far away from whoever claims to have the answers, right? So there's two things here. One is it's a controlled opposition, right? Um, right. There are things. What I'm getting at is that there are causes that can be identified. Not everything um, is up for debate. And when things are um, debatable, right, then they are never settled. And there are a few things here. If we want to arrive at a positive outcome here on Earth, we have to recognize a few things that we can absolutely say is about. This is it. And so the second thing is about that, right? So the controlled opposition, oh, you think you understand it all? You got it? What makes you so special, right? So it fits right into that whole ego thing. Like you think you're the one who's gonna make this all turn out better? And that's not it, right? Um, we're all in this together. And you can't even say that phrase anymore. Um, because it pigeonholes you. So I'm interested in things that, about which there are 
there can be no debate. And there's a few things, right? So we're talking about cause and effect here. Um, and it can be argued, right, that no cause can be localized, really, because it all goes back to the original cause. We've spoken of this before previously, which is this hard determinism idea that everything is already a foregone conclusion since the beginning. And uh, that's not the case, right? If that were the case, then everything would be destiny, right? That it is going to come out this way, um, no matter what, right? That's destiny, right? If you're going to need to fulfill your destiny, then stop fucking trying <laughs> because it's just going to happen anyway. Right. This is um, in the realm of discussing about is there really free will? And there is. So getting back to what I began this with, which is the answer. Right. I don't claim to have the answer, but I can definitely point out a cause at which point there is a, a high contrasted before and after and it's just an example but it shows that um, a cause can be localized right and particularly with uh, this human experiment that we're dealing with right now um, and which is why I started this whole discussion with um, an exploration into McLuhan's work which is about the psychological effects of technology. And so technology is one of those things that on the timeline, right, um, whatever all the details were that got us to where we are right now, it's irrelevant, really, because it is the starting point. It is the initial conditions, really, that determine how things go. And with technology, we can clearly see there's a beginning. And the details about the beginning, um, we don't know. But we definitely know that um, once technology is instituted, everything changes. Right? So if we can't localize cause, we could say that there's all these things leading up to the invention of a radical innovation. But before it is deployed, um, there is no indication of it, but once that technology is deployed, then we can see that the changes it has on that it creates in society. And technology, as I was saying, is uh, irrevocably linked to um, our condition, right? The condition that we have. And that's something that I want to talk about is that whether or not the human condition is a natural thing, which is the standard model. Um, I just say standard model uh, just for the mainstream narrative, right? That's the mainstream idea, right? Is that the human condition is because that's just how we are. But my, my thinking is that it's an ailment that can be treated and it really, so it comes down to, right, it is kind of all of these things converge at one point, right? The development of technology, the inversion of value, right? 
that comes from a um, the value model of scarcity, right? This comes into play at the same time. So that's what I'm getting at, right? So I don't have all the answers, but I can definitely point out the problem and the beginning of the problem. And this is what I was doing in the last episode. And so it comes down to this conception of value, right? And this is the changing of the initial conditions, right? We can actually go back in time and fix it just by changing our thinking. It's our thinking, right? That's the first thing. And um, that's the first thing that needs to be addressed. (laughs) And so all of this talking, right? This continual debate, um, this nonstop seeking, right? That's a business model, right? Because perpetual seekers are return customers, right? I'm interested in things about which there can be no debate because debate is will just go on forever. And meanwhile, um, everything is kind of unfolding in society under a hypnotic rhythm. And um, it just keeps rolling on. And it's going to get to that critical point that I spoke of, right? Which is the singularity. The singularity is not where AI becomes sentient, right? The singularity is where this experiment reaches its limit. And it is at that moment when we, the people, need to exercise our power. So very clearly, right, is that the scarcity model of value, right, is an inversion of value because value is unlimited. Nature or the universe is an ever regenerating system. And to consider or to place a limit on that is only benefits those who control the supply. And that when I say that, when I say control the supply, I mean, that is in quotes, right? Because the supply that I'm speaking of is life. How could you control the supply of life, right? The only way you can do that is if you leverage your version of life, not natural living, right? It's this uh, corrupted version of life uh, with death, right? Death is the limiting factor on life. And no one controls the supply of life, but we have given it over, right? In episode 11, I explained this. And so what I'm getting at here is about which there can be no debate, right? There can be no debate about this. Um, If you zoom in halfway, right, um, the edges get fuzzy, right? The details really aren't that important. It's just that it's happening. And what do we need to do to take our lives back, right? So all of this discussion and debate over the details is pointless, right? And so for me, it's like, (laughs) this is the double-edged sword. If you're going to bring me into your program, (laughs) then I'm going to kill your business model because... I will, right, there can be no debate. You can fucking stop looking for it now. You can stop looking for the truth. 
right? And now take action. Um, so this is what gets frustrating, you know, because in the conspiratainment world, it is the perpetual seeker that is the return customer. Um, and I'm tired of it, <laughs> right? It's time to do the thing. And so I was speaking of it a bit last time, and I'm going to start referring to it as shoot the moon, right? We got to shoot the moon. Um, so this is what my mission is, right? And I don't know, right? I don't know if y'all are going to hear it, but some of you are now. Hello to you guys in Massachusetts and New York and Michigan and Ohio and California and Texas and Washington State. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. Um, and all y'all in Victoria, Australia and Alberta and Romania and the UK and Sweden, right? So I'm reaching some of you all and that feels really good, but it's not enough. You know, um, it's always been for me, it's like when I went on a uh, tinfoil hat, right? I was a nobody, <laughs> you know, um, it was a good interview. And then everyone's fucking coming to my YouTube channel and all they see is a couple videos of me skiing, you know, it's like, there's not enough content, right? It's like, we need more content because the seekers need content so they can feel like they're doing something. And it's like, I, there's only so much I can say about this. And we've arrived at the problem. Um, and we can say clearly, right, that there's a beginning point to this. So, and it's right. It's like our value structure. So I, we were talking about Bucky Fuller and I recommend you guys read his final book, which is called the critical path. What an apt title. So we've identified, right, It's our inversion of value. And this has all kinds of effects, which one of them is, which, um, is the promotion of an egoic mode of being. And so I'm not saying kill the ego because our intellect is important. That's why it's there. But there is a sickness kind of that can happen when you let the ego drive the bus. So the idea is to clean up the mind, right? It's all this um, thinking like so much machinery um, clicking and clacking. Um, quiet the mind, right? And this is really, I think, what Peterson means by clean your room, right? There's truth to that fucking statement. And when I was dogging him before, uh, he deserves it. Dude's a cunt. Um, he's got some good message, but it's poisoned, right? Because he is on this, uh, the human condition is natural thing, right? And that's the big lie. <laughs> so it's a condition, it's an ailment, and more like, right, with reference to the idea behind contracts, right? It's a condition. There's one condition, right? You accept the, the offer, there's one condition, right? is that um, evil comes into play, 
right? Evil is an invention, right? It's the mechanical advantage that gets, that rolls society forward. I was speaking of this before. So evil doesn't exist in nature, right? This is an invention and uh, we can cure it. <laughs> um, so it's a hypnotic rhythmic response, right? So e good and evil are not a um, polar relationship, right? Because good doesn't require a uh, comparison, right, to evil in order to be defined as good. All polar relationships are defined by their opposite pole, um, and so cannot exist without the other, right? Evil is uh, has an origin, <clears throat> and it was what I was explaining before. The details about of which are again right unimportant, but we know that it happened. Um, we know that we went to war with nature at some point, right? for lack of a different way of putting it right now. So yeah, evil is an invention and it follows the uh, principles of nature, right? Which is that it creates this rhythm, right? Um, but again, good is not the opposite of evil, right? Good can exist without evil. Can you see that? Can you see that in your heads, you guys? Um, positive, negative polarity on a magnet, right? Not the same thing. This is um, an artificial dichotomy that um, evil is actually the impetus that drives it because um, the response to that is not good, but anti-evil, right? And so I'm reiterating this again to make a point, but as Krishnamurti says, um, even the truth repeated over and over is propaganda. And so I know I do that in my presentations, y'all, but I'm going to stop um, saying it after this episode. Like I've been threatening, right, to get to the end. And it's kind of an example of the Zeno's paradox. Again, it's like I can approach it, I'll approach it, I'll approach it. Um, and there's always something more to say, you know, some clarification. But um, yeah. So cause and effect, right? Um, there is a cause to the way that our society is, has unfolded. And the details of it probably will never be known. But if we zoom out, we can see that there's definitely, um, <laughs> there is a, an adversary, right? That's it, right? And... Um, you could say like a false authority, like an usurper, right? This um, demiurge, so to speak, that perhaps, right, um, caused this or purposely created the initial conditions that would lead to this point because it is at this point that... Um, that thing, the false authority, could create its own universe. As I was saying before, like this life we have on Earth, like it got corrupted, right? At some point. We had it down in the past. And, you know, with the Kali Yuga cycles or whatever, who knows, right? Maybe um, that affects our consciousness, right? 
And so this is all part of it, this infection that we have. And I wanted to get to the idea that I was hinting at at the end of the last episode, which is that um, the Emerald Tablets and Thoth, or Toth, however you pronounce it, and how he is Hermes, and this is the Hermetic Principles, right? Um, these are the principles uh, that um, underpin the mechanism of the ever-regenerating universe. <clears throat> but uh, with my thinking from before, though, it's like we have Thoth introducing the phonetic alphabet. And as I explained in episode, I think, five or something, that uh, that technology itself had a radical effect on the way we lived. Right? It was a fragmenting technology. Um, because in itself, it is just fragments assembled um, like in an assembly line, like a, in a factory, right? And so this divided us and uh, this division, right? We are at the ultimate level of it right now. We are completely atomized um, right now. And that's the objective, right? Divide and conquer. And so we hear these things growing up and we understand how it works, right? But again, it's like, oh, human condition, that's just how it is. And no, no, it's an ailment, right? Uh, it's like we have a parasite. <laughs> um, and so, you know, this whole false dichotomy of communism versus capitalism, right? They're the same thing. <laughs> There's no difference, right? And because it's the same fucking offer, as I was saying before. Um, but Marx, right, he was saying that uh, the elite, um, you know, using their same argument, right, is that the workers are the most fit to survive because they're the ones uh, doing the work. They're the ones operating the tools. They're the ones out there doing it. And on the flip side, the elite think they're the most fit to survive because of their, you know, managerial skills and their force of arms. But the elite can't survive without us, right? That's the difference. Um, that's the real opposition right there. And we could just leave it at that, right? <clears throat> No need to discuss it further, but how do we, uh, how do we get out of it? Right. And so they've co-opted our exchange, right? The exchange between people is how we survive. And that's for millions of years, right? Um, so we have to take back the exchange and make it a living exchange congruent with the principles of the universe, which is an ever regenerating system. So this is what I'm talking about. The exchange is first, right? We have to take back the exchange, but how do we do it? Bucky Fuller uh, spent his whole life since 1927 to 1983 
um, as an experiment. Um, subject B or whatever he called it, B for Bucky, right? And that is um, the experiment is is basically how much can one individual do to affect change in the world? And that was his experiment, right? Because he was <laughs> really early at this game, you guys, and understanding that it is a game. And he was all about uh, taking it down from the inside, you know? And we really have no choice other than to do that, right? We still have to play. Um, we got to play until uh, we win. <laughs> and so that's part of my message here is that um, to get our life back, uh, we have to be strategic um, and we have to play it like we're playing a hand of hearts. Um, we have to keep it below the radar. Uh, we have to keep our intent to shoot the moon secret until it cannot be prevented. So as I was explaining before, uh, with the scarcity model of value, it's complete inversion. Um, uh, you can't, there is an, an unlimited supply. And so you can't put a limit on it. And the limiter is what causes the problems that we face. And we, again, seem to think that it's just because of our nature, right? But our nature has been co-opted. And in the Emerald Tablets, they talk. he talks about this. He, he, there's a quote in there basically, that says that every um, enclave of civilization was uh, infiltrated and corrupted. And in my previous exploration, I was like, I was almost getting to the point where it's like, is the Demiurge Hermes, <laughs> right? And are all these other gods just um, the Demiurge's attempt to cloud the issue? Right. And all of these stories, like I was saying before, right, the epic poems and the myths of ages gone are just like the TV shows of today. Right. They contain the truth. They contain the terms of the agreement that um, we would agree to, that we would accept. And this is what's happening right now. So from the perspective of arriving at a solution. Um, we have to know that the opposition is the adversary and the adversary um, gives the marching orders to the elite. I mean, this is the part where I would lose some people, right? But again, uh, it's really not that important. It's interesting to talk about and to look for clues. But um, 
and I might want to talk about it some more as I find out more information, but moving forward, it's all going to be about um, how we can have organization um, without leadership in the years to come when we um, take our lives back from the authority. Um, so yeah, we need to shoot the moon and that's what it is. So we keep it a secret and we spread this around, um, word of mouth. And I had the anti-coin idea. I don't know if it's going to pan out. It was just, you know, an idea, but it's pretty fucking cool. Uh, I just sold the last one that I had from the first run and, <laughs> while I had it, man, I had carried it around everywhere. Um, so I don't know I, if you guys want to spread the word because it's all of us. We all got to jump ship at once. That's what I'm saying about the shoot the moon, right? We wait to the critical moment and then we all just move over to the living network and they will have no power over us at that point. And then that's the point, right, at which we have to do the work in order to create a system with all of our compounded knowledge that we have to date that, as Bucky says, in the shortest amount of time, make everything work for everybody while doing no harm. And, well, that's it. And I paraphrased, but that's what he said. And so... Bucky um, had the way of it. So read that book, uh, The Critical Path, because there's some really good stuff in there. And, you know, I'm realizing that his thinking is what has been the most influence on me, because despite the fact that McLuhan lays out the psychological effects of technology, um, Bucky was about creating so much value through the creation of artifacts that serve and do not kill, right? That are about livingry and not killingry. Um, that if you create so much value by creating these artifacts, you know, basically technology, that the old way would seem fucking stupid. <laughs> and I mean, it obviously does. It's stupid. It's fucking idiotic. And how do we keep falling for it? So the inversion of value, right? Um, the depletion of the source is an artificial uh, reality. And the irony is, is that actually, since we live in a finite system, right, that there is a possibility of a limited supply, but it is only now that we are arriving at that situation. And it's so funny, right? That, uh, you know, for the last 6,000 years, we could say, right? There was no lack, right? Then the earth was pristine, right? Our only lack was our ability to extract the value. So there's this weird thing that the knowledge that we have gained um, has put us in this position right, that we have um, 
allowed the elite of the world to drive this system to the point at which um, there actually is a limited supply. And it is only um, our knowledge that will allow us to um, transcend to a better way of being. So it's this crazy um, paradox, really. You know? And it's uh, emblematic of all the paradoxes. <clears throat> and so is Hermes bad guy? Or is he playing the bad guy? Because once we were corrupted, there was no way to shed this parasite without going to completion of the cycle, the arrival at the singularity. So, right, again, there's no way to know. And talking about these ascended masters, you know, that can live forever, um, it's pretty out there. But there's that, there's a paradox there too with the character of Thoth or Thoth or Herbies, Hermes in that it's about our ascension, right, to a higher vibration of being. But the only way to arrive there was to be challenged in the most extreme way. So after 6,000 years, what we have here is um, a built-up potential to... Um, transform into, ah, man, I mean, there's the paradox there too, because we were already there. So why did we have to fall down in order to get back there again? You know, the fall of man. Maybe we fall back and are tested so that we can become more than we ever were before. So I want to talk about my idea of how we get to a uh, point where we can actually shoot the moon. Um, and that just requires that we all know who we are first, right? We have to change our thinking and uh, realize that the value structure we have been conditioned and indoctrinated into is um, an inversion of the actual. So there's that, right? And that's the whole point of the first 12 episodes of Green Knight is to arrive at a way or right to arrive at something about which there can be no debate and <laughs> it seems pretty ethereal right this uh, conception of value but it really it isn't um, because it's foundational and so that's the first thing, right? And that's why talking is important, right? That's why all of this discussion this discussion is important. Um, but we we arrive there, right? We understand this, and so then now, what do we do? We don't keep talking about it, right? We actually change um, our thinking, and which then will change all of our interactions, right? So after we do that, right, <laughs> I wanted to do this before, I think, um, because imagery is so powerful, right? 
but I think that it's like, first, we have to alter our thinking. That's the first thing. Um, and what McLuhan said is, we become what we behold. And that's absolutely true. Um, and so if we're looking around, right, this is what we are beholding, right? This is what we're looking at. And everything is fucked. That's the way it looks. And that's the idea, you guys. That's what they want you to think, right? And they will create problems in order to make you think that way. And it fucking sucks, right? Because it's just a theater, but it's theater with consequences, uh, massive consequences. Um, so we should be more confident in our ability to navigate this situation because we are the power. We hold all the power. Um, <clears throat> we are the value. And so comprehending that, right, is an understanding of true value, right? That value is unlimited because us, by living, generate value. And to create a system, right, this is what I'm getting at now for a solution, that uh, taps into the wealth of mind of humanity and allows it to be uh, and flow at its full potential in an organic way. This is what we need to do. And <clears throat> so all y'all tap into the full potential of humanity, right? Think about that sentence. How do we allow everyone to contribute? And how is it that those who have more knowledge um, are not elevated to right um, put on a pedestal, so to speak, right? Which is how we do it now. Um, so it's not this whole thing about um, everyone gets a trophy, man. Right. We're all winners here. <laughs> That's a way to like really diminish um, the alternative to this uh, competition, um, the system of competition that we live in now. Right. It's like how you know you're good if you don't crush someone else. Right. Um, how do you know you're the champion if there isn't a loser? Um so this is the kind of thinking that we have to get away from. Um, that just creating, just being as badass as possible, like Bucky Fuller, right? With no thought to um, your reward for that. Um, that is what makes you feel good, right? Crushing it as hard as you can every day within reason, you know? And uh, we all have um, these chains and uh, balls around our ankles. And I don't mean your partner, <laughs> the old ball and chain, right? Uh, I mean, we're being hindered and curtailed because of the way we see value. There's so much more available. So... I said before that the living exchange between hum humans, between people, is an analog network that exists. It is there still now, right? 
And so technology isn't necessary for that to be activated. But um, I think really in order to make a hard attempt to make this work for everyone, right? Everyone that makes it through this transition, um, we develop the living network to actually have a representation uh, using technology. <clears throat> so despite um, wanting to come at this right in a, in a way that is where technology is secondary, right? Because really it's about us, um, who we are, um, our potential, our divine origins. It's not about the things that we make uh, necessarily, right? This is a secondary aspect, um, which is why I was focusing on the conception of value first. But it's really... Like, if we don't use our tools, then we're going to be set back, right? So I'm just trying to um, make technology more palatable, right, in the sense that Bucky Fuller was trying to do, right, in that you create value, right? You create, this is what we do. We are creative. We make stuff that are valuable, that is valuable to others. And we build our own lives in a way so that they're value it's valuable to others so let's um facilitate that using technology in a way that leaves no one out and allows that actually right so there's no rules to stop this uh insider baseball but just thinking the way we do now now that we've flipped our conception of value back over, then that kind of behavior um, doesn't get you anywhere in this living network that I'm suggesting, right? This uh, compounding of, or this force multiplying of, um, you know, this insider baseball where um, resources are procured and then um, in a way that uh, is out of balance, right? And so that out imbalance is uh, reinforced, right? And so that these um, insider traders, you could say, uh, just develop more leverage in the market over time, right? So that kind of behavior um, wouldn't be effective. It's like it just wouldn't even work. There's no rules, right? There, there's no like, uh, like how uh, people can write in a social network, uh, based on merit, people can leave reviews or whatever. Right. And so it's like your reputation is what keeps you in line. Right. This isn't how it works. That's fucking bullshit. Uh, Eric Weinstein, <laughs> that's so sophomore considering your intellect, bro. <laughs> this is what he was saying to Daniel Schmattenberger, right? It's like, how do we get there? How do we get to a place where people aren't assholes? <laughs> we need to have some kind of, you know, social credit system. Really? <laughs> right? See what I'm getting at? So 
with an in, with our conception of value now adjusted to actual right to real value which is us then that kind of behavior again um would be insufficient to um make any gains are you following me so first yes again right <laughs> i'm repeating myself it's just so i can get my thinking straight because i start here and then i go there so i'll go off a little and then i'll come back to actually say what i was trying to say um we've adjusted our conception of value and now we can create a living network um that uh leverages all of our power together so we become what we behold this is a fact there can be no debate about this this is why advertising fucking works right this is why this constant bombardment right this uh ever chiseling division um continues it's a it's not up for debate right we become what we see so let it let us show ourselves what we are and really surprised that this hasn't become mainstream already right that's ironic not surprised at all what i'm suggesting is is that the human network right the ways that we are connected to all of everyone on the planet right each of us are nodes in the network right um a hub so to speak and communication are the lines between the nodes right our exchange right the exchange of value between the nodes and the exchange of information between the nodes so this is the network and we could model it um so that it appears to right i want to create a program basically that shows you the human network in all of its majesty right and it would look like a fractal and to me um the way i designed it first was like the julia set fractal which is this spiraling um thing it's related to it's like a subset of the mandelbrot set and so you guys have heard of the six degrees of separation right or the six degrees of kevin bacon right we are all connected to kevin bacon through um six uh degrees right of levels of connection right so we have someone in our inner circle that we talk to all the time and they have an inner circle and they have someone with an inner circle and so you see how all of these wheels are uh connected right one node is shared between uh people and so you go six degrees out from that and you will be connected to kevin bacon <laughs> it's a thing that no matter who you are it fucking works and so this is the human network and so if we create a uh, graphic graphical program where that basically models your where you're in the center right it models your connection to everyone else so it's this giant fractal that is shown to you in real time right you're in the center your circle of friends and family are, are around you right and each of them have a circle and each of them have a circle and so this, we're all connected in that way so we become what we behold right we are all connected that's it right there you just show them the fractal structure of the human network 
And, uh, but it isn't just a novelty, right? It actually has function. So this is how we would search the internet, right? Put in this into the search field, um, what you're looking for. For example, if you're looking for work, um, it'll show you everyone in your network from the first degree to the 99th, right? That, um, is in that sector, right? So the internet, right, is hidden from us in pages, like a book, and that's purposeful, right? When really, it's all of us together, because every fucking IP address is a computer, man. That's your node. So this is the first thing. This is what I want you guys to help me fucking do. Um, we design a new graphical interface of the human network and stop calling it the internet. <laughs> that's not important, but it's like, that's not what it is, right? It's like the internet is some kind of new invention, but it was always there, right? It's just all of us. And now that we have the technology to extend, right? Our nervous system over the entire planet, what, which is what McLuhan was talking about. Um, it's possible now to, we have the technology to um, take back the human living network, the living exchange from the usurpers and um, thereby uh, return the means of production to the hands of the people which is where it was originally, which is what made us dependent on each other. Okay. So yeah, we all got to be um, more self-sufficient, right? But we all, everything that we do has to be in service of others. And I, when I say has, you know, that's loose has. It's like, um, and this is what uh, Buckminster Fuller was saying, right? This is this um, transformation that he went through as a young man after having a hard, hard time. He was like, I'm just going to spend all of my power serving others. And in that way, I will be served. Right? So... Right? We have this visual graphic representation. We become what we behold. Right? It may seem like um, it's too little. Right? It's too small of a push. But it is massive because it impacts our perception, which is being co-opted. Are you guys following me? Let's build this. Right? Get the anti-coin. Right? Let's shoot the moon, but keep our hand close to our chest. Get the anti-coin, show it to others, tell them to get it, right? And this is more like how to spread the word without um, tipping our hand, right? This is what the anti-coin means. This is the function of it. Um, it's not an egoic action saying, I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Right? It's more um, 
I recognize the divine in you because I am also that, right? Namaste fucking stay. So, right, this is the uh, strategy, right? We get us all on board, right? And ready to jump to the living network from the death network. Copy. I'll post a picture of the mock-up that I designed in Alias. Probably, yeah, 20 years now. This is kind of where it all started, you guys. I was at Art Center doing a sponsored project for Nokia. <laughs> and the dude they brought in to run the sponsored project was the biggest douche on earth at the time. And I was just going to be the dude who didn't do anything about, didn't do what Nokia expected, right? <laughs> and I came up with this uh, graphic representation of the entire human network and as a use, as a way to use the internet. Needless to say, right, we got A's, our team, but we didn't get invited to Nokia. And look where Nokia is now. Like if he'd listened to us, our team, probably Nokia would have made a comeback. Anyway. So yeah, I've been working on this for a while and I guess I'll post a picture of what I was working on in the show notes. Um, despite I wanting you guys to picture it in your mind using your imagination because it could actually take a lot of different forms, right? It could be customizable. But the idea is that it's a fractal network, right? This is the human network. I have this uh, story in my head that, uh, right, it's a, I guess you could call it a novel. But I'm just going to, right, I said I would transform this show. And I think the message is delivered, y'all. Give me some feedback, please. It's not like I don't look at them. I'm just, uh, just who I am. But, uh, I have this story, right? And I'm just going to try to like, let it come out, um, with various other things that I'm going to be, uh, releasing, you know, uh, uploading. Like I told you, I have a lot of interviews or not interviews, just discussions that my friend and I have had that kind of show uh, my thought processes and bouncing it off a Buddhist, you know, a trained Buddhist and uh, Qigong master and Taoist, right? And we're lifelong friends. So, I mean, stay tuned for that. Um, I'm going to edit it down because like I said, we talk about people we know sometimes talking shit, you know, and we want to preserve their feelings despite actually it's my position that I would just put it in raw. You know, that's how I am. I don't give a fuck, but, uh, I don't know. He runs a business, so I got to cut out all of the inflammatory stuff. So it's hard, right? Because, um, it's about 14 hours of stuff not making excuses because I have a ton of them and none of them suffice. 
but uh yeah so the story is about um it starts with multiple characters um in the story but it starts way back in the past right we're talking 40k um and for a half um neanderthal half homo sape 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 um, the adventures of fleet, the half Neanderthal (laughs) and how his life impacts, um, the characters that appear much, much, much later, right? We're talking, we're finding fleets skeleton in the fossil record fleet, man. That's the name of the half Neanderthal, the adventures of fleet. So stay tuned for that. And Perhaps I'll give you a little teaser.